Thank you very, very much. I think that my qualification is more uh, that I work with, I do work with a lot of nonprofits, a lot of Moises. I am not by name a shliach and, uh, in, you know, employed by, by, by the shlichus uh, organization. Um, a couple of years ago, the end of 2020, Hanukkah, I was thinking as a Lubavitcher, you know, comes around Hanukkah, it's one of the easier holidays to pitch to those that you're involved with and connected with. But for someone who's not necessarily a natural extrovert, not somebody who's about to put on a big Hanukkah party and get together, which I know many business people actually do and call to all of them. The fact that so much of the world was on Zoom already was the extra push that I needed to say, I can invite a few people in a defined amount of time, we'll call it 30 minutes, and we can get together to do a little, a little Jewish together, and I'll do my part in that way. So I'm fairly active in, in, in LinkedIn, as well as Slack, different conversations that I have with other copywriters. Um, so I, there's like a LinkedIn meetup people do. So I announced I'm going to do a LinkedIn light up. If anybody wants to join, it'll be a half hour and a few ideas. I said, you can bring your own menorah. If you don't have one, I can send one to you. Bring your favorite scotch or spirit of any kind. And I don't know, I think I said, if you had a, suggested if you have a Maccabee moment, if something that uh, you, you thought was the right thing to do, but it was difficult, you want to share that, just give people a little sense of what they could expect and not expect so it's not too intimidating, but also has a little Jewish element. A handful of people responded positively and a handful of people showed up and Baruch Hashem, a half hour, very lovely time. Um, at least one person there who, uh, whose mother was raised Catholic and found out later in life that she's Jewish and this was his first time really interact. She had a menorah, she, she actually, he told her about it. She cooked matzo ball soup for the occasion so that he could come onto the Zoom you know, all prepared. But it was really a very, very new, completely new thing. And as I logged off at the end of the half hour, I was, it washed over me a feeling of, I am a shliach. And of course we tell each other this and we know it. And we say, not only those who do this full time, our shluchim, everyone needs to participate in some way in the shluchas and, 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 and do what they can. But what clicked for me there, and I, I didn't necessarily have the words at the time, but have, have sort of formulated more so since, was unlocking a little bit of the riddle of Chafches Nisan, where the Rebbe said, I have done everything I can, now do everything you can. What possibly could Hashem need from the Jewish people that the Rebbe couldn't provide for him? What possibly can I have that the Rebbe either couldn't think of or couldn't find somebody more qualified to do? And what it came to in that very, not in an intellectual, but in an emotional way at the end of that, I'm connected with a handful of people who, for whatever reason, are not connected with any other person who's connected with the Rebbe, at least that I know of. I'm connected with people in a certain profession or with certain experiences, negative or other, who are specifically not going to connect with a rabbi who are specifically not going to respond if someone reaches out with an official uh, Hanukkah event or something that, that is, is more formal religion in some way. I am a shliach because the Rebbe needs somebody 
to get these people on the phone and I have their number and they're picking up specifically because of me. It was obviously a very, very empowering recognition. It was, as I say, if you have the responsibility, you have the responsibility. It was a, a, a moment of realization that if I pass by another one of these times where somebody I'm connected with and I can, I can imagine that they're not talking to rabbis, they're not talking to, to from people on a regular basis or in the, my from connections as well, for whatever reason, their yeshiva experience, they're not the kind of people that are going to race to a shear and race to something that is officially publicized as, as a massive thing. If I'm the person that has that conversation, that connection, I'm the shliach to that moment, to that person. It's a very, very powerful thing. I think that there are many people much more qualified, much more successful at life, much more successful at business, much more successful at shlichus, that can, that can share and should share. And I encourage, uh, one of the reasons that I agreed to do this, and I think it's a, an excellent idea, is I encourage anybody who's involved in some way uh, that's a little bit different from what we're used to hearing should share this. I think that part of the reason that we have trouble bringing ourselves out of our out of our cells to, to actually do these things is because we think we're the nachshon, we think we're the only one. There's tons of people, very very successful. Because I know some people on this that I'll be speaking before and after me who shared in their ways as well. Um, so I'm hoping that the fact I'm a random guy who who has found some areas that it's worked in my own industry as a copywriter in the creative industry and in advertising many people i'm connected with the creative directors or agencies or or publications in some way um, can be useful to your experience as well about a dozen years ago i spent shabbos in princeton university where my brother and sister and there was a visiting professor his name is dr david novak he is a theologian, he's an ethicist, a scholar of Jewish philosophy and law at the University of Toronto. And he shared, he's an ordained rabbi by the conservative movement. And during the 1980s, there was a fallout between some of the traditionalists in that movement and some in the progressive area that were moving the official bylaws and, and, uh, and uh, what this movement stood for, some felt they were moving away from halacha, and those that were more traditional, there were certain specific decisions made there, felt that this was no longer what they stood for, and they wanted to uh, not associate with the orthodox movement per se, but have something more traditional. So he was involved in the strengthening of something called the UTJ, the Union for Traditional Judaism, and it was a variation of the same belief system with, at its bedrock, a commitment to halacha. And so certain things, certain lines, they chose that they're not going to cross and this is what they stand for and this is what they're gonna do. At some point, they tried working together, then they sort of split more formally. This is the story he told. This is a story as I heard it from him. And this is as much as I can validate. He says that mid to late 1980s, when this formal split happened, he receives a call from the Rebbe's office. The Lubavitcher Rebbe wants to meet you. So the Lubavitcher wants to meet you. It's the greatest honor and the greatest horror. What did I do to be called to the Lubavitcher Rebbe's office? It's terrifying in a certain way and obviously the greatest honor in the world. Him and I believe a group of those that were involved at the same time. So they come to 770 and they're brought to meet the Rebbe. 
And he describes how for close to an hour, the Rebbe is asking them detailed questions about the nature of their split, exactly who said what and what said whom and what was the compromise they tried to reach and, what, and, and why did it not work, back and forth. And at some point, he says, the Rebbe's face visibly relaxed and it seemed to me he felt satisfied that the split was over principle, not over power, not over a personal issue. And when it seemed that the Rebbe was satisfied that this was about principle, the Rebbe looked at us and encouraged us in the Union for Traditional Judaism and said, you'll be able to reach people I could never reach. This is the story as I heard it. It's not about Lubavitchers. It's not about Shluchim. It's not about people who put themselves into the Orthodox box. I know there are tons of people I'm, I'm connected with many people through my business in, in Lakewood and Tom's River. Many people there who are taking these opportunities and seeing that they have a responsibility as well. Many of them first saw it through Lubavitchers. Some of them, for whatever reason, have the personality and are realizing the world needs this. The world is ready. Every single person at every place that we have a connection that someone is going to listen to us more than they're likely to listen to somebody else, that's our shlichus. That's the place that we can be. And that's the place we need to be. So I'd like to share um, a couple of minutes, if I can, of some experiences in some areas that I've seen this in my own business. Uh, Rabbi Levertov introduced me as a copywriter. I know copywriter is not the most intuitive career name. Many people think I'm a lawyer. I work sometimes with trademark lawyers, but I actually specialize in naming companies, naming products, um, slogans, and all the brand's foundational messaging. So in this work, I'm connected a lot with other Jewish copywriters. I have many people that mentor me, people that I mentor, I you know, critique my work and things like that. Um, other, like I said, agencies or, or companies, uh, uh, chief marketing officers in companies who, who uh, work with, you know, who I work with. So these are sort of my people that I tend to interact with professionally. And because I am at Heart of Marketer, I'm gonna share my screen and give a little slideshow that I hope will uh, convey some of the experiences as well, some of the lessons I've learned along the way that have made it a little easier for me to engage in this way. So I, I'm gonna share this, but I actually think that it's not working perfectly. So let's see if this works better. Let's see if, is my screen shared on the right way or not? It's not much, right? Huh? You see my screen ahead or the full screen? I see the, I don't know, first part, I see the, then it's the next slide, it's coming up. Okay, Zolzheim, it didn't it's work again, as planned, but that's part of the fun. Okay. So I had said earlier, and I think that this is really, from a branding perspective, this is what I know, but anyone can make what you make, no one can fake who you are. Any business, and I, this is a fascinating to me, but I, you see this. You could have a $2 t-shirt in a dollar store and a $200 t-shirt in, in the highest end boutique. It's the same product. There's no doubt it's the same product. The difference is who do people want to associate with? What is the specific cut, maybe style? What is the color? What does it fit with? People are very emotional beings. And so what, am I, what do I have specific to me that people are attracted to, whether in my skill, my personality, or something like that? So... The first one 
first area that I like to is to find your ich factor. What is it about me that is that that works? Besides for being the most effective way, I think it's also something that um, narrows down the overwhelm of being responsible for the whole world. When you're somebody who says 2000 again, I'm throwing stuff at the wall and saying, what am I supposed to do next? Should I come up with an 11th minister that's, that's smarter than anything else that ever came up with? Should I come up with, with 280 tanks? They're important, they're good, they're big, but what am I gonna do already? So knowing who I am and knowing what I'm good at is a way to rein that in and say, no, this is something that I actually specifically should be involved in. So the first one is who do I click with? Who are the kind of people that are around me? For me, I mentioned that it's creative people. A second area that I think is where do I shine? There are some people who are very extroverted and are great at stopping people on the street and getting into conversations. Some people are much more, much better at giving lectures or teaching shiurim. What am I good at? And how can I find ways to involve myself and influence through those things? And a third one is what do I love doing? Because if you think it's the responsibility, but you're just drained and burned out from having to do it on a constant basis, it's very, very difficult to actually get yourself to do it. Someone that comes to mind, I think a lot of people have seen uh, Rabbi Eli Stefanski, not a Lubavitcher. He was a, is, I believe, a very successful developer out of Chicago. And he found at some point that he loves learning. It wasn't in the middle of yeshiva that he found it or after he was married and everyone, I don't think he went to Quill, but he found that for many, many years that he had a real chush and a real joy in learning and teaching. And he started on this most recent Daf Yoimi Machzer, he started a shir that I think probably many people in this room who are, do not consider themselves Daf Yoimi people, maybe don't consider themselves shir Yoimi people necessarily, but have connected with somebody who's a business person who has a, a, you know, a certain personality and he brings his props to shir that wouldn't work in a yeshiva. You get kicked out on your, on your ear if you tried doing that in yeshiva, but it works and he has 300 people in person and thousands of people in uh, online who are learning a blot gemara every single day because he found who he clicks with, other balabatin, where he shines in teaching, and he loves doing it. So I think that's something to find what are you, what, what's there for you. A second area that I have found to be very effective is to make it your day job. And what I mean by that is that in addition to bringing tefillin to work and finding opportunities that send matzah to people who, who you're connected with, which are mitzvahim, that because you have a connection, you also want to give them mitzvah, there are tons of opportunities within the process of our own work, at least I find in my own business, where you can elevate the conversation and the awareness in the business itself without doing something extra, without having to ask them, would you like to do something Jewish? One example for myself is the very fact of people being conscious of God. Talk about him all the time, every time, whenever you can, in an appropriate way, obviously. But I have found myself that when I'm talking to firm people and I'm scheduling something, I'll talk to you at 3.30 tomorrow, if I'm talking to a secular person or a non-Jewish person, God willing, every single time, I want people to know that I operate my life in God's hands and by God's plan, and I'll do everything I can in my ability, but God willing. A second area is if I have options to use a story or a saying, a specific one, to illustrate what I'm talking about or give people a sense of what I do, if I could use something that's elevating me in Yiddishkeit, that's an opportunity. I've been connected with a... Uh, um, a uh, an editor in chief of a certain business magazine. We have you know some some conversation going on. He answers my DMs periodically, and he posted something about the uh, daylight savings that the, the, the vote that people wanted to make daylight savings permanent. So I sent him a link 
he was talking about it, like basically what the impact is on people. I sent him a link to the Chabad.org discussion of how that impacts people talking about prayer as just interest in what you're researching. This may be interesting. Oh, wow, Avi, that's so fascinating. Without having a halachic conversation, you've had a halachic conversation and made somebody aware about daily prayer and all sorts of things. So there's interactions you could have. And the third area is to weave mayonis into the natural process. I mentioned about saying in things, another area that, I, that I've seen myself with my email away message, I'm taking eight days off for Passover. It says out of office. I think last week I said uh, uh, commemorating or, or contemplating freedom. And then one line in there, I'll be out for a week and I hope to answer at the end. P.S. If you're Jewish too, you may find interest in Passover.net. There's a lot of things and I included as well a Maccabees video in case those that don't want to read all the articles at least can enjoy a, a, a recap of, uh, of the Exodus played out in an entertaining way. So these are ways in our own process that we can find ways to do it. And the third area that really is, is the truth about all sales, but specific to, uh, to I find it in the, in these in and, and being influential in some way, is if we could frame something not as a favor to me, I'm not asking you to do something Jewish, but I'm offering you the opportunity to improve your life in some way. So knowing how will this help my, my friend practically? One small area that this came up recently was with matzah. I had gone to, uh, to the warehouse to pick up my brother's matzah shipment. And while there, I see stacks and stacks of matzah from Ukraine. And so I thought to myself, you have people, this was several weeks back, they were more engaged in the, in the topic, but people who are really hoping to do something active in solidarity and do something they can, they can, uh, can feel good about doing. So I posted on LinkedIn, the Jews of Ukraine baked you a matzah. And I wrote up there that I have X amount, uh, several pounds of matzah that's baked by the Jews before, you know, got out before the, the real craziness of the war happened. And if you'd like to break bread and crack bread in solidarity with the Jews of Ukraine, ask me, I'll mail you a matzah. In the past, I've sent matzah, people were very grateful. Now I have people asking me, please send me one. I'll send me a pound, I'll share it with all the people at my state. It was a very beautiful opportunity to say, I'm giving them an opportunity to do something, not only a, uh, not only asking them to do something Jewish. A second area are the hesitations that I can anticipate or remove, knowing that very often a person's no is not a no to what you're offering, it's a fear of what yes entails. If I send them out to them, am I gonna have to pay for it? Or if I show up at this year, am I gonna show up for the next 10 weeks at this year? So anticipating what somebody might be concerned about and and removing that and saying, I'd like to send you a gift of matzah, or I'd like you to come for a one-night share in honor of whatever, you may choose to come next week too, but that's not what this is about. And the third area is including a social incentive in the offer of influencing in some way. And that is because people are very, very social beings. Nobody like, very few people like to be a nachshin. And so if I accept this, am I going to be joining a cult? Am I like part of a certain type of person that, that does a certain type of thing? So if I can include and say, Going back to the LinkedIn light up that I said earlier on, I said, several of us are getting together. The very first time I said, it's not this rabbi looking guy who's saying, come to my Hanukkah thing. Several Jewish copywriters are getting together. Thank God a few people did. And at that point I was able to say, including person X and per person Y, who I knew were connector type of people. So those were ways to, uh, to, uh, to make it very relevant and, and like, okay, a safe place for me to, to involve. Um, so what I find is that when we, uh, think about what we're offering and who, what I'm really, really good at. These are opportunities that make it quite natural. It's not against our nature. It's within our nature, within the things that we're already doing. What am I very, very good at specifically? And how can I make sure that I am uh, engaged in that way?
I want to close very briefly. We're very familiar, I think all of us, the professor who walks into a lecture hall with a large jar, glass jar and places it on the table. And he asks everyone, is the jar full? No, it's empty, very good. Takes a few large rocks, puts them into the jar. Now it's full, now it's full. So he pulls out a smaller bucket of pebbles, pours it into that jar and they sprinkle through all the visible uh, cracks in it. And they realize obviously as opposed to the pebbles, yeah, of course you can, there's many cracks there, no problem. Is it full now? Now it's for sure full. And then he pulls out a five pound bag of sand and cuts it open and pours that in. And the sand seeps into every invisible crack, every area that's not seen and really fills it up. Now is it full? Still not full, takes a cup of water and fills up really in a way that there's no room for anything else. What possibly could the Amishter want from us that the Rebbe himself couldn't provide? What could the Rebbe need from us that the Rebbe, for whatever reason, was not ready, wasn't able to, to say, I can do this for you? The Baal Shem Tov put the glass jar on the table for us and said, we need, this, we need to fill this up. The Rebbeim filled it to capacity with foundation, with large rocks, with all the tools and the information and knowledge that we need. And the Rebbe, our Rebbe, over all these years, gave thousands and thousands of pebbles, all the shluchim throughout the world, and all of the nuggets of wisdom and opportunity and knowledge that we have, what to do with them, they're everywhere, and they're being dropped into all those holes. What is still waiting? Perhaps, and at least the way that I've seen this play out, is for every grain of sand, for every one of us to recognize the visible cracks are being found slowly. It's not obvious, but there are people out there in all sorts of places. They're knocking on doors and getting the visible cracks. What's left is for you and I who have invisible cracks, people who are hiding, people who don't want to be found, or people who want to be found, but not by a rabbi. And I think that when we do that, and when we really, really fill up that jar with every grain of sand to capacity, we'll see that last bit of water to overflow it, and it will happen joyfully, it will happen quickly, and we should see it immediately.